All right. I've hit record. Hello, Dave. How are you? It's been a whole week since we recorded this podcast. Actually, this um, this is a record for us for about the last three months. That's true. We've actually <laughs> recorded I twice it's been in this... three months since we recorded. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's all good. Life. Life. life, life. Uh, hey, dude, you just gotta roll it out, man. You gotta, you gotta go roll. with it. You can't. You can't force it. You can't. You can't make love to it. It's just gonna make love to you, man. Oh. <laughs> You just got to lie there and take it, do you? Oh, pretty much. I mean, isn't that what life is? Mm. Life comes hey, along. Hey, that, it's that like, could be good, man. That could be good. Well, I know. that's It's always good with life. It's like, hey, baby, how are you There's... doing? It's like, hey, life, how are you? What you doing? <laughs> oh, I'm making plans. <laughs> really? You think you are? Huh? And then Come the here. earthquake happens. <laughs> Come here, baby. Come here. Let me, let me show you how it is. Life always calls me baby, just so you know. Just, okay. It's important right. for you to know that. This is um, good. So, no, um, you want life to say that to you? Life, life, life can take me on a date and movie and actually, you you need to say that to life. It's really what it is. Yeah, I gotta take date life on a date. <clears throat> take life on a date. Hey, life, how you doing? Perpetual date. I don't know. I'm doing all right. You wanna you wanna <laughs> go to uh, wanna go to the movies? Yeah. Okay. Then uh, after that, how about? Uh, you know, we uh, come back to your place. Oh, okay. As a matter of fact, life. Where where do you live? <laughs> where does life live? Life life lives wherever it wants to. Wow. <laughs> I, could, I could be on a date with life, and you just break into some dude's house. Get out of here! It's everywhere, man. So, it it binds us. It penetrates all living things. Us, penetrates us, binds it the binds galaxy the galaxy together. together. Hey, look, so I don't believe in for one the thing called the Force. Oh. Yes, I am excited for the Mandalorian, yeah. I really am. Like, way more than Episode 9. Episode 9 20, and uh, 10, 11, and 12 have been planned out. Have they? Yep, they've been scheduled for, I think, release every couple of years. Uh, starting in 2022, I think. I uh, I work with a young man who's recently joined us at my place of um, money making. And he is quite the Star Wars nerd as well. Nice. Yeah. Um, because he's younger, I think he has less of an attachment to the original series. <sighs> so... Um, Kill you. No, no, no. It's it's kind of good because where I go, um, you are dead to me. Anything outside of the original three, um, this fella is just like, bring it on, give me more. Really? Anyways, well, yeah, he like he likes it. He digs it. Um, I I did run into somebody uh, through our mutual friend Locke one time, where uh, he and I, or he sorry, he and I, he met a girl. And, uh, the, what, uh, so they, they weren't, I don't know, they weren't, they didn't really date. They just kind of hung out a bit and that was sort of it. Then she moved to, uh, China and, uh, okay then. <laughs> so that was the a no work go. thing. It was a work thing. She was a lawyer, a work thing. So off she went right. and then, uh, but before she left, uh, we had the chance to hang out with her as well. 
and uh, the, uh, the the thing that I learned from her uh, was that even that like she was like a hardcore Star Wars fan in such a way that put me to shame in some ways. Really, but, eh? So she um, was talking to uh, me about episode one and i i did my thing and i was like well you know it wasn't really what i wanted and and uh it sucked yeah let's get real here so but then she actually sort of almost said you know you gotta think of it as a story of a young kid who is basically sold to a bunch of dudes um and then has to adjust to uh living without family and things like that to the extreme uh of uh of being basically tossed into a situation where he's being taught to be a certain way and uh and he has you know mystical powers that he can't quite understand um but because of that experience of that level of abandonment um he doesn't he doesn't quite adjust he 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 can't quite make that leap to accepting his his future so he's always thinking about his mom and all that kind of stuff and and that's basically what uh you know she was telling me about how that story if you look at it from that perspective the films get a lot better um minus you know some of those george lucasy stuff but But again, uh, it, it happened recently as well with uh, the end of the Game of Thrones uh, TV show where uh, there's a petition of almost a million people on it called Remake Season 8. Um, and the uh, thing that uh, George R. R. Martin uh, said... Uh, which I thought was brilliant because the same thing applies to the whole Star Wars thing. Um, mm. I just have to find it here. It was brilliant. Um, art. Uh, uh, art Art is not for uh, the uh, the audience. The art, art is for... Um, for the people that make it. He said it more eloquently than I have. But essentially, mm-hmm. uh, because people are so upset about the... Uh, uh, they're, they're, they're so negative in their response. A whole bunch of people wanting to remake the whole... Uh, the whole, whole season. It's not just the, you know, a particular episode or a scene. They want... they're wanting somehow magically uh to uh have the entire thing done again and uh and he basically says you know you know um it's uh it's fascinating that you think that art is for the audience but art is not meant for you it's it's meant to be created by the uh the artist and whether you like it or not is kind of irrelevant. Um, so being pissy wow. that, uh, you know, being pissy about this 
is uh is kind of it's weird you know it's like there's no there's some sort of weird entitlement that people seem to think uh you know is a is a is a deal so um so anyway see that to a degree how does that relate to what the hell we're talking about today it does because you know because it does because it does uh, so today we're talking about uh, chapter f uh, part two of the second section of the book uh, called Phones Ringing Dude. And if you remember uh, back in the movie, there's a scene where uh, the character of Walter says Phones Ringing Dude a couple times. Um, and... Uh, what did what did okay? What did you think of this chapter? I'm going to take it away from the film. Let's get back to the uh, the book for a second. And, and okay, not but talk, I want to I want to go back to your point. I want to yes, go back to your go point. Ahead. Yep. Um, because <laughs> I'm not sure I have a whole lot of intelligent anything to say <laughs> about that. Honestly, I um again, the editor must have just been tearing out his hair doing this book. Because you can't break it down neatly, you know what I mean, right? Because I, because you and I have have this is the second book we've done this way, right? Um, the previous book we did was much easier to break into pieces. Okay, well, it was written in pieces. That was. That was probably the intent of the author. And, you know, that's good. And I'm not saying that makes either book better or worse here. That's not my point. My point is that it's really hard to nail down because, I mean, I know you're doing this because we were talking about it just before we started recording. But, you know, just how do you nail down a theme for the chapter and in my head it's a little challenging maybe if i knew the the movie better so i'm i'm really i want to hear more about walter's line because maybe then it'll make more sense to me that they use this for the chapter title but the guys because of the nature of this book um it's more difficult to pin it down because I don't know if we probably said this off the top. This book is a conversation between Bernie and Jeff. Yep. And so they're not, you know, limited by anything. They're just riffing off each other really is what they're doing. So it's amazing. And they touch on a bunch of stuff. In each chapter. So, um, I always struggle with what's this chapter about. Well, <laughs> in this case, we've got earthquakes, we've got Hote, we've got um, not being in, um, bearing witness. Um, you know, I... I don't know, like, I suppose 
you might say that in um, sort of encapsulating this, maybe what we're talking about is um, developing a level of trust in yourself, your your deep self, your core self, and do that recognizing that that's where the the real stuff comes from because our physical world universe is always changing and you never know what's going to happen tomorrow um i i don't know if if that makes sense to you as a sort of encapsulation nutshell. Um, but as I'm saying it, it makes sense to, to my brain. So part of the that. reason I say that is because I was just thinking your brain, my brain. Yes. My, my brain, my brain is weird. Um, because they open with the earthquake of, well, a couple of earthquakes actually, <laughs> because both Bernie and Jeff experience earthquakes. That's true. Yeah. So they open talking about that, and particularly Jeff saying, "Well, I guess no, Bernie. Bernie doesn't really say much about it, other than, um." They experienced the big one, I believe it was 1970, he says. Um, and he sat through it, as he had meditated through it. <laughs> and apparently, everybody in the hall meditated through it, <laughs> which is pretty intense when you think about it. Like, you could potentially have the building come down on top of you, and these guys were just sitting with that. But really, what else are you going to do? Not a whole lot. I mean, it, it sounds badass, and I guess it, it is badass in in a way. Um, but I guess Bernie would probably say, and the, the people that were with him would probably just say, "Well, what else do you do? <laughs> it's an earthquake." <laughs> I think you said something earlier uh, that was kind of like that. You know, you just you got to roll with it. Because yeah. uh, it, you know, it's not something you can do anything about in the moment. So, mm, no, give on. I was just gonna say, I am curious about the couple of scenes where Walter says the line, "The phone's ringing, dude." That because you obviously have a better memory than I do. <laughs> uh, you'd think so. Oh, okay. Um, the scene that I think he's talking about is when, um, uh, God, Jesus Christ! You of course are going to ask me about this. I haven't. I gotta. I'm gonna have to watch the film, but I want to wait until after I see the the thing. But, um. Yeah, I need to see it too. 
I mean, it's essentially, it's to me anyway. Um, it's one of those situations where, uh, when you're so focused on something that's not necessarily that important, if you've lost control or you're letting the world get down on you um one of the things that in my mind for this particular quote phones are going to do there's always going to be something that's going to bring you back there's going to be something that you need to return to your center point if that makes sense so when you're feeling overwhelmed when you're feeling like this this whole chapter to me is about how to deal with being overwhelmed with the world and how you deal with that reflects highly on how dude you are, I guess. Um, but like in the very beginnings, you were pointing out about the earthquakes, um, the earthquake reaction that Jeff Bridges has when he's talking about the earthquake in 1994, uh, his reaction was basically running around naked like a crazy person um, yes. not really sure what to do. Well, not, not totally crazy, but well, I mean, that's just, just my interpretation, but anyway, I actually, I loved it. Cause he just, he comes off so totally human there. Oh yeah. It's well, beautiful. exactly. Yeah. And how then Bernie says, well, in 70, we just kind of meditated through it, man. Cause we were in the middle of a meditation. So what are you going to do? Well, that's what his crew did. Sure. But who knows what the other people were doing outside the hall. Right. Yeah. So. Well, this is true, <laughs> but my, my point is, um, as I was telling you earlier before we started before we started to record, we were talking, I was saying that when I read this chapter the other day, um, the first thing that popped into my mind was uh, something my dad always told me many, many years ago, um, where he said that uh, uh, it doesn't matter how tough and strong you are or how cool you think you are, uh, when you walk down the street and you act cool and you try to kind of prove to the world that you, you know, you know your shit. Um, there's always going to be some larger, bigger person around the corner who's going to punch you in the face and level you out. Mm. And that was the thing that kept playing back in my mind when I was reading through this, because a lot of this chapter um, is uh, about making adjustments and making uh essentially adjusting to what's being thrown at you. Um, so when you uh, don't make adjustments, things are going to uh, prove to you how you should, if that makes sense. Where, pardon me, the illustration of the earthquake discussion at the beginning is that what are you going to do when there's an earthquake? And ultimately, there's not a whole lot you can do because the earth's moving, the building you're in, the field you're standing in, whatever's going on is it's it's going to happen. You know, there's not a damn thing you can do about it. So, it, it you know, what is it? Um, Edward E. Newman from Mad Magazine. Is that the character's name? Alfred, uh, Alfred E. Newman. Thank you. Um and Alfred has a, there was a, a picture or a poster or something where it just says, why worry? And, what? uh, what me worry? 
Yeah, that's there. That so you do you remember that better? What me worry and you know, I mean, there was one time actually many many eons ago. Um, I woke up in the middle of the night because I had birds in my bedroom, and they were freaking out. They were bouncing around their cage. They were just going sh- ape shit, and I was like, "What's going on?" Because I was you know I'd just been woken up by this commotion and I wasn't sure what was going on, and then suddenly, the entire room moved, like the house moved. And that was it. It was a very quick thing. But the birds knew it was coming before I did. And uh, I remember waking up that night and, and my, my I went upstairs because I was living in the basement. And uh, I think this must have been grade 12? No, maybe, maybe later. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So I was talking to my... I got up. My dad was awake. And I was like, oh, did you feel that? He's like, yeah, it woke me up. Yeah, I'm... Like, yeah, the birds woke me up before it even happened. He's like, oh, wow, you know. And uh, then he started telling me about this time when I was an infant. Like, I was very small. And he uh, said there was one night where there was an earthquake and the house was moving. And uh, he ran into my bedroom, uh, picked me up out of my crib, and, you know, and then just kind of stood there going, what the fuck am I going to do? No. <laughs> I've, I've got the kid now what like there was no there was no mental plan it was just like oh shit yeah. so and that's what I kind of think where uh, when Bernie starts talking about um, you know the, the uh, hen lays eggs uh, to have their chickens and when the chick is ready to come out it pecks at the eggshell and when the uh, the mother hears it, she pecks away at the shell to help the chicken get out. So, um, it, it's, it's, uh, and, and hit that sort of description he's talking about, like if the hen does it too quickly, uh, the chicken, the chick could die, uh, because it's not finished, uh, you know, growing up. But if, she, if the hen does it too late, the uh, chicken uh, could suffocate inside the shell. And that meaning that uh, timing is really the most important thing for uh, a lot of this because um, if you are paying attention and you are uh, open to the universe kind of thing, I mean, he says it in a different way, which I could look it up, but essentially... Um, if you're not open to what's going on in the world and you don't make adjustments, you don't pay attention, uh, then, you know, you just increase your level of suffering, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. And so then he starts talking about... Um, uh, I'm going to pronounce this wrong. Hote? Yeah, that's the way I would say it. Um, We're probably not saying it correctly, but hey, that's the closest I know. So he starts talking about Hote in that respect because, you know, about making adjustments and about being prepared and, you know, not just not in a physical sense, but in a mental sense for um, that kind of thing where um, this character of Hote, uh, who is a... Now you said it, and I wasn't able to pronounce it. A bo, 
Tahazrana. Yeah, you did. Bodhi, Bodhisattva. Bodhisattva? Um, sorry, Bodhisattva. Sattva, yeah. Yeah. So he's described. I think that's what he is. Uh, well, he describes Hote as, you know, walking around listening for that chicken sort of noise of peck, 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 um, about stuff that needs to be born. And he has a bag that he carries with him um, that he's uh, he can reach into and pull out the correct tool for whatever situation he encounters. Um, for those D&D nerds out there, this would be a bag of holding. <laughs> so... I mean, this is this is all very deep, and, and they know a hell of a lot more about some of the uh, the details of of Zen uh, training and whatnot. So, duh. Um, but essentially, in my mind, all it really means is that. Um, I mean, actually, you know, I've forgotten what chapter it was, but essentially, uh, it says you just have to roll with it, which I think we talked about in uh the Tao of Pooh. Um because Which makes sense because the two are exactly very, very close. So in order for you to to uh get to a certain point in on the road to enlightenment, one of the things you have to do is to uh not be um what's the word what's the phrase I'm looking for? You know, you can't, you are not an island that controls everything. You're not an island that is able to influence things. There's always going to be something that's going to influence you. And you either make the choice to go, yeah, right on, or fuck. So, you know, life's, what is it? Life is not about getting knocked over. It's about how fast you come back. So... You know, it's like um, actually I don't always remember that speech from I think it's Rocky Five. Is it Rocky Five or Rocky Balboa? I can't remember. But um, Rocky has a his kid is now grown up and his kid is being really pissy and uh, about how he's basically living under his dad's shadow and and there's this impassioned speech where it's like uh, you know. You're you're not somebody who I didn't raise you this way. You're not the, you're not that kind of person. I know you. You're not someone who's gonna point at other people and blame them for your failures or blame you for not feeling that you're not as cool as they are. You're not as successful as that person is. Uh, life is not about that. Life is about learning about how you know how you can is that or not learning about how to how to hit things hard. It's about how you can resist things hitting you back, and then how you can just get up and keep going. Um, it's like it's far more impassioned uh, than I would ever be able to do it. But that also something that popped in my mind when I was reading this is that you just keep going and you just accept what's going on. And, you know, eventually I get to the point where you're at the end and it'll be like, hey, um, I got here. Yay. Um, and, you know, that to me is what that what it means about phones ringing dude is that it's a constant reminder that if you're busy freaking out uh somebody saying the phone's ringing can bring you back to that point i think at least that's what it says to me um in this discussion they're having about it but um 
because you know they're talking about they also talk about like being frustrated like getting uh, having frustration take over your mind and and uh you know give you uh basically distracting you away from what's actually going on and you're not able to um not able to focus properly well, that's not the way to, that's not the right way to say it but you know you know what i'm trying to say dave um yeah i mean my sense of it is that phones ringing is about um being aware the phone phone's ringing is it's kind of like bringing you back to awareness so you're paying attention what's to what's going on right in the moment where you are exactly because um the last thought about it is is you always you need to know or you need to learn not know you need to learn um that uh you need to know when to act um as opposed to when not to if that makes any sense but essentially uh pardon me um it's it comes it to me it comes back to that whole the dude is not in um because if you uh if you act too soon or if you act too late, um, you have to trust your instincts in order to know when to act. And it takes practice to recognize what your internal self is telling you. And um, if you're too rigid, you're not going to act. If you're too flexible, you're not going to act. You just have to, it's all about acceptance in different ways to being to find a balance between reflexibility and responsiveness. Like, you don't want to be too laid back where it's like, you know, dude, you know, we're going to sit around all day today, eat Cheetos and masturbate. That's that's totally what we got to do. But I understand there's a genocide going on outside in the street, but you know, we could do something about it, I guess. It's going to take but, the day off. Uh, <laughs> It's actually it's kind of like superheroes not knowing, like superheroes going, "I'm gonna save the day," but only after three o'clock. You know, it's like <laughs> maybe tomorrow. But right now, it's spliff time. I mean this this particular this chapter talks about a lot of stuff. It touches on stuff that it's already talked about, um, like the dude is not in part, uh, which we talked about in the previous chapter. But this one yeah. to me is about, I mean, overall, it's about um, being open to your 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 mind to allow yourself to actually learn um, a bunch of different skills about how to uh, to know when you can do something, know when you can't do something, and knowing full well that regardless of what choice you make, whether you act or not, um, there's always going to be something else that's going to come along and mess everything up uh, that's going to distract you or take you away or uh, 
which is I think the earthquake and uh, being rigid, being inflexible, being too flexible, you know, these kinds of things. So it's, it's, I think ultimately the chapter is trying to illustrate to us that we are, um, we're never going to know everything. We're never going to solve everything. Um, that because we're either, uh, God, what is, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to, I'm really having trouble forming my, a summary thought about this whole chapter because there's so much going on. Take a crack at it, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well, maybe we could push your thinking a little further here and say, uh, a bit later in the chapter, they, like you just talked about, they discuss that idea of the dude's not in more. They go, they go a little deeper into what, how they see it. Right. And Bernie, um, I think in particular starts going down the path of the, the dude not being in which is um, basically your accepting of ideally everything that that is the main aim. Uh, I guess I would say not, you know, not being completely steeped in Zen, but I, I would say from my point of view, level of understanding, I think that's uh, a very big part of it is um, acceptance of everything as it is. And that is, that would be like a pure state of the dude not being in. And so if if you're in that state, there's also, I guess, Hote comes into it a little because that represents the idea of trusting that the tools you need, whether it's a person, money, a hammer, um, car whatever doesn't matter but trusting that the tool that you need will be there when you need it i think that's kind of what hote is about and because that there's a level of trust there and a level of uh fearlessness in a way because you've got that trust that what you need will show up because if if you're not in that state of not being in then you may well be attached to certain fears and worries that keep you flailing around and trying to force the issue and taking action going back to what you're saying earlier right about knowing when action is appropriate 
and when it's not appropriate or a, a given action, you know, in a certain situation, is it going to help or it's going to hinder um, or is it maybe not going to have any effect at all because it's, you know, you're not taking the right action at the correct time. But I think what Bernie is, is getting at is that um, the more we can be not in the more we can accept life as it is and the people in our lives as well and not not even necessarily directly in our lives but because of our society where we're hyper connected um a lot of people get really invested in you know the kardashians um but he he doesn't even use that as an example i'm not sure they were a thing when the guys were talking but he talks about um being able to accept a character like um hitler or um he talks about because jeff before this point in the conversation brings up a couple of roles that he had of um, one was a psychopath and one was a sociopath and um, one killed uh, I don't remember if it was just the one person or killed multiple people that that matters um, but uh and Bernie was talking about, you know, how you can come to a point where you can bear witness to that kind of activity. Um, a lot of activity, that kind of personality. And have a level of understanding, not, not that that makes the action right at all. But you're in a spot mentally, I guess, where you can see it and accept it and you're not struggling against it. And you can, basically, you can admit to yourself, accept that there is a part of you, however small, that could do something like that action like kill and um it, it, bernie's argument is that the that's what we want to strive for is coming to that acceptance because then there's much less war and fighting amongst ourselves and all the rest of the stuff that we, you know, would rather not see too much of. Um, that's a challenge. He says himself that, you know, even if he doesn't point at himself, but I will point at him because even if you're somebody like Bernie who has spent uh, uh, most of his life in meditation, in contemplation, in developing wisdom and compassion and all that good stuff 
even he says, you know, there's, there is always going to be elements where you're in, where the dude is in, because there's some really basic things that are going to be more of a challenge to uh, simply allow and not be attached to. Um, I, I'm kind of floating, floating out into left field a little bit with this, I think. But um, yeah, that's that's a uh, a part of a, a bigger part of the conversation. Um, I would say in the last half of the chapter, eh, mm. where they're talking about that dude being in versus being out and he talks about his uh his organization peacekeepers i think they're called yeah the uh like the peace corps thing that's all that's kind of what i'm i'm poorly describing that particular <laughs> organization but that's what it says to me mm. <clears throat> well you you said it uh far better than I did um, because there's uh, what's the word in the chapter where uh, uh, or in the chapter in this section of the chapter near the end that you're talking about um my definition of enlightenment is realizing the oneness of life. Mm. And you can't exclude anything. You have to include everything. Um, and as you were talking about bearing witness to it, um, you, you can't bear witness to nothing, if that makes sense. Like, there's always going to be something that... Uh, that you that you want that you have to um and that it says a lot about what what you bear witness to says a lot about about yourself about um like a connectedness connectedness to humanity um mm. totally absolutely i think that's a really good nutshell right there's connectedness to humanity all of humanity is what Bernie argues. And that includes Hitler, which is what he's saying, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, we talked a little about this before right, we started right recording. Yeah. About, but I don't think it's uh, come up that, that how he goes to Auschwitz. Right. Or to um, say used to go to Auschwitz. Yeah. With his organization, they used to do these. Uh, maybe they still do. Maybe the organization is still doing this where essentially they go. Uh, they take uh, uh, groups of people to Auschwitz in order to, uh, you know, to bear witness to what happened there. Um, I think there's a bit more to it since uh, the organization. I, they had he talked about it in, I think, the second chapter of the first section, uh, a little bit in more detail. But, uh, but essentially, uh, what I was saying earlier is, uh, is how um, how people 
that are somewhat disconnected from humanity uh when uh a, f a few months ago i was reading about how um the uh the organization that runs auschwitz in order to they run auschwitz oh my god that's one terrible way to say it but essentially the society the whatever whatever the organization is um has slowly been uh working towards banning mobile phones and things like that because they've found too often that young people that are visiting uh go into places that they're not supposed to be or are uh taking selfies or you know and and one of the examples that I was reading was um about how in people are are taking photographs uh of themselves using social media tools and one of the things that has been happening is uh if you have used Snapchat as an online thing uh one of the things that they do is they pose in cute little ways and put uh angel wings and halos and and these sorts of things on themselves uh through the uh, the application and uh the people that that uh you know maintain Auschwitz are not pleased about this that they are uh, that kind of uh as a small little thing uh shows a lot about how the individual taking those photographs is not necessarily um they're not bearing witness they're not recognizing why they're there they're not there for uh, a holiday they're not there for a good time they're there to uh, recognize that um, that particular location is a place where humanity failed in the in the biggest way um, like the Auschwitz concentration camp uh you know more than a million people were exterminated um and when you go there to um to take fucking selfies <laughs> i mean to me that's not necessarily an appropriate action like there's definitely places and there's a time and place for everything but that is one of those places where i don't think um it, it's a time to reflect and when you are disconnected um, even a little bit uh, you can make poor choices about it and uh, I mean I'm, some people would say well just taking a selfie is, is harmless well sure I guess um, I'm not sure that's the point though but at the cost of of what like what are you ready to give up about yourself because i would imagine that somebody who takes you know cute little photos of themselves at you know uh the the photographs that were in the example of the or in that as as examples in that are and one of the articles was uh the train tracks leading to auschwitz and uh you know which is i i there's a phrase for it like the the highway of the dead or something and um the act of treating that without any respect is um 
I don't know. It's just it's it's un it's uncool. It's uh you know and I don't know. I I could go on for bizarres hours. I could go on for many hours about how I would hate that. Um, especially if you you know are a surviving member of a family that um you know there are people still around where they're that, the rest yeah. of their entire family was wiped out at a concentration camp so um but again i don't want to speak for them uh because maybe they don't care i don't know i something tells me they probably oh, do I, i'm but, sure they uh, care lots <laughs> but in two or yeah. three hundred years i think it's going to be even more important for humanity as a collective to recognize um that you know there are places and there's things you just shouldn't do because if you ignore them or shun them or don't care um that says a hell of a lot about who you are and how not dialed in to humanity you are and um you know you just want them to you know you want someone to walk up to them and say phone's ringing dude um mm. you know to hopefully make them recognize that uh the world isn't about them uh the world mm. is about everything and you know the world doesn't doesn't uh wish to serve their every whim exactly because there will be some biggest bigger motherfucker around the corner is gonna fucking punch you in the dick i would never although i you know what man as as you were saying in two or three hundred years it's going to be even more important you know what i would argue and i've wondered about this for a while actually like years um what is going to happen when the war generation is finally gone our grandparents great-grandparents i mean for you and i our great-grandparents are long gone but our yeah. grandparents i mean my my grandparents are gone i don't know about yourself but my grandparents no, all are gone, all gone yeah. um and with that dies the direct knowledge of the war yeah um you've you've probably got some family that was involved um i uh i'm first generation so i have family that was directly involved in what went on in world war ii right and so i've heard a few stories uh i didn't hear enough because I and there's probably a lot of people that can identify with this. You don't want to broach the subject because you're worried that it would just be all bad. You know, like that the person would not react well, they wouldn't want to talk about it. Um might might make them really sad. Um you know, any any of that kind of stuff. Uh, and that, that I guess was partly me. Um, I think I, I had some thinking like that, which I regret now, um, because I could have learned a lot more if I'd been willing to ask more. Right. 
Um, but again, and I think you and I, we have more of a connection, so we're less likely to do the selfies at Auschwitz. Um, but our children's, our children, I should say, um, and maybe children's children, because in some cases that's happening, they don't have that direct connection. They haven't heard the stories from family members or close friends of the family, stuff like that. So for them, there's a degree of unreality to it, right? Because it happened like, God, what is it now? I don't even know, like 80, 80 years ago or something now? What? The... My math is terrible. World War Two. Um, oh, yeah, easily. So, yeah, the, the, the opportunity for them to come to a direct understanding is falling to virtually nothing because there are so few of our grandparents' generation left alive. There's still few, uh, some, but... Um, I don't think enough. And so in a way you can cut these kids a little bit of slack because they, they just don't, they don't have that connection. They don't have the understanding for them. It's something that happened forever ago. And so, um, it's harder for them to, to understand in a way, I think what, what Auschwitz, because that's what we're talking about, what Auschwitz really means. Um, so, wow, that was a long-winded rant. So my point, <laughs> my point here was you were saying, I think in another three, 400 years, this is going to really matter, you know, this understanding. I, I would argue it matters now. Because oh, it does, it does matter now. I and I would say really, really huge, hugely, like not, you know, because I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong, saying 304 years, is, it's going to be important. But I'm saying, I think it's much more important now because we're seeing the effects of people's disconnection from the realities of something like Auschwitz. You know, um, you you just you open the newspaper and you see it every day. Oh, totally. Uh, and I'm not just talking purely in the arena of um, outright war, which we can certainly find around the world if we want to. But we also find it in the way that politics plays out these days. Because really, that's kind of like war. You know, there's there's very little um, across the aisle chatter where things get sorted out between opposing viewpoints. Mm. It's more about, no, you're wrong. You're so full of shit. I, I can't even describe to you how full of shit you are. Um, my way is the only way. It's the right way. And you can go and uh, 
just pounce hand. You know, and it's that general kind of thinking, right? Where there's, I guess it, it goes back to not being in, the dude not being in, as Bernie says. Um, the The more you have your blinders on and you can't accept another human being, the worse things get in in the world because the other person is wrong. They're over there. Um, you refuse to make any effort to understand that person or possibly even treat them as a full human being. So, of course, there's no connection. You can't discuss issues because of your attitude towards this other person and so um i i think now is a good a time as any to realize that we are all capable of of some nasty stuff from time to time um or not even that but we, we have the capability within us as human beings for nastiness. Um, and really, your relationship to that is what defines how you act in the world. So the more stuff you deny about yourself, your humanity the more rough your life goes because you're too busy denying all of this stuff that you see as not you and um the more sort of boogeyman are created in your mind um it's their fault over there and the world would just be better if we didn't have them yeah. um these days, that that kind of thinking is maybe, in some ways, a little more subtle, um, and in other ways, more more in your face too. Yeah, I suppose in certain parts of the world. Um, but it's uh, I mean, it, it's a big big thing it's a big topic i guess and maybe a little hard to get brains wrapped around and put words to um which is why it's zen <laughs> <laughs> well i no no kidding um yes. yeah i mean it's it's yeah i mean you summarized it far better than uh than i was i was this is the problem is that earlier on you actually just said a few things that went, ah, yes, of course, in my brain. Um, Sorry, so, my No, 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 that was good because I was having, I've been having trouble articulating what I'm trying to say with this, with this particular chapter mm -hmm. because there's, as I said before, there's, and as you just said, there's so many bloody things in this chapter yeah. um, that the only, but I think ultimately when it all boils down, uh, the chapter is talking a lot about, um, there's only so much you can do. Um, and if you try to take on too much that you're going to, you know, uh, the word cost is, is used a few times. So if you take on too much or you 
try to do too much, what is that cost going to be to you as an individual? Because yeah. if you're busy um, doing too much, you're not going to hear the phone ringing. And that phone essentially is the universe going, hey, mm. fuck wit, what's wrong with you? Nice, um, nice. You know, that brings nice you back point, to, you know, I mean, it, yeah. So I'll leave it at that because I just yeah. looked at the timer and we're already at an hour, man. Holy cow. Yeah, we're cranking along here, dude. We could probably keep going for another half an hour without breaking a sweat. <laughs> That's true. But I want to make sure we keep it down because, you know, yeah, the last, yeah, the last totally. one was an hour 15, so. Okay, but, yeah, uh, totally. But essentially, I, you know that, what? that's what it is, this chapter. And our, yeah. our point is simply to expose people to this stuff and get them yeah, thinking about it and hopefully they'll be interested. And um, I, I just want to encourage anybody that's even remotely like hey this this is kind of weird and interesting get the book i think totally totally get the book because yeah we even in a freaking hour maybe if if we were better at this and you know sat down for 2 hours beforehand and made notes of everything maybe we could you know really get get it wrapped up yeah but I, I don't know. Like, I guess this is me just being lazy and I'm not going to do that. Sorry, listeners, not going to happen. Um, <laughs> don't have that kind of time in my life. Um, but it's, it's Zen. It's freaking deep stuff. So we have scratched the surface is all we've done. And so if you have the book, you can read it. And I mean, each chapter, you could chew it over for months. Oh, totally. You know. Easily. Easily. And I think that's really the best way to do it. I was kind of thinking about that this morning and I was, as I was reading my chapter, you know, just how this is not the kind of book that you're going to plow through and feel like you got something from it. Yeah. It's, it's a book you, you have to sit with. You have to read bits and sit with those bits for a while. Oh yeah. I mean, I think there's one level where I'm able to sit with it, but then I have a, a chat with you about it and then my brain instantly goes into more oh wait what about mm. so yeah i mean the next chapter it's kind of amusing to me somehow but the next chapter is titled new shit has come to light yeah. so <laughs> that kind of maybe we'll leave it at that because that goes right into that i think uh mm. quite nicely yeah so. yeah all right dave until next time Indeed, more goodness coming.